Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Justin McCool. He's the CEO and founder of Native Gaming. Today we're covering uh, his new native MMO, which co- combines slot-based casino games with Pokemon Go as a very simple descriptor. He'll get into it more. We're also going to be talking about the wider world of esports betting uh, and loot boxes and some of the different uh, countries that have banned or regulated against loot boxes recently. So covering all those different things on this show today. Justin, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Super excited to talk to you. I just got a bit of a rundown over native MMO, but I'm going to let you explain it. It is sort of a Pokemon Go meets this classic 777 uh, slot-based casino game. Is that how that's how you describe it? Go into detail a little bit on how this game actually works. Well, uh, I mean, basically, s- slots were invented in 1895, and in the last hundred years, they haven't really changed. Um, you know, from a content gameplay, it's a stretch to even say there is content and gameplay to a slot. You know, and even though slots make up 70% of casino income, less than 25% of slots players are under the age of 30, you know? And so there's the younger generation is, is clearly wanting more entertainment value from their, their gambling experience. And so, you know, what we've done is we've taken the random number generation of a slot machine and we've organically incorporated that into a Pokemon like, gameplay you know a monster taming mechanic so that a winning slot spin you know instead of like you said instead of it being seven 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 in a row and you win you know on our game you're running around the world and um if a you know a winning spin would be a legendary monster that's worth thousands of times the ball that you use to catch it um and so we've completely removed the spinning reels from the slot game. It's a really cool idea and something that I'm excited to see more of. I recently moved to Las Vegas, as listeners of this podcast will know. And one of the things that really surprised me about this city, obviously very well known for gambling, but beyond just the strip and the massive casinos there, every single bar has a bar top where you can play slots, basically, video slots uh, at every single seat at the bar. And it's every single bar, as far as I could tell. It's it's the few and far between one that doesn't happen. I'm excited for this game because this is actually a game I could see myself playing at a bar like that. I will not be playing those video slots. I just don't get the get the uh, enjoyment out of it. I don't see where the where the fun is. But this game seems like it has a little bit more of that gamification that I'm used to. And I could see myself sitting there enjoying a beer and, and playing this game at one of those machines. Absolutely. You know, I'm and, and I'm <laughs> I'm on the same page. You know, I personally do not see the appeal to traditional slots. You know, you the, the time it takes to start receiving your your return um, you know, the entertainment value, it's just not there, you know, and, and that's why we've gone with this, 
you know, with a true game, you know, not only can you, is it an MMO that you can interact with other players and, and other people around the world, but you know, there's PVP aspects, there's even, you know, an hourly raid jackpot, you know, where, uh, a big monster spawns in the, in the MMO and half of a percent of all wagering that's been accumulated over the last hour is being given away for free to those who hop in and battle this monster. So theoretically, it's possible for players to not spend any money and be generating income or revenue or winnings every hour from these these hourly raids. And, and it really engages the players. You know, if you if you win a hundred dollars at a slot machine, you know, even in a physical casino, let alone online, you're not going to tell anybody about that. You know, you're going to look like a degenerate gambler because you're playing slot online slots in the mid- middle of the day um, or people just don't care. But, you know, in this game, it's an MMO. You you catch a rare monster and everybody wants to know what its stats are and they want you to screenshot it and they, you know, they they care. They want to know what you got. And so it's it's much more engaging entertaining you know there's the social aspect that so far the casinos especially the online casinos have not been able to capture yet yeah definitely it's few and far between the person who looks happy playing a slot machine and i'm really curious you mentioned it's 70 percent of casinos revenue it's a lot of their revenue and you compare that to all the different table games blackjack poker craps, these games that I personally enjoy more when I'm in a casino. Why are slots so popular then? You know, um, again, I'm, I'm not the right one to ask about that because I don't see the appeal. Um, but it is by far the most popular for the older demographics. If, if the trend continues, it won't be for long. You know, as I said, less than 25% of the millennial and, you know, the the Gen Z that can now gamble play slots. You know, they've grown up playing these games, playing these, the apps um, on their phone, video games, and the slots, there's just, you know, there's little to no entertainment value there. Um, and so part of that, I think, is the reason why they're, they're popular is before the last 20 years slots were probably considered to be entertaining, you know, beyond the obvious, uh, the gambling aspect, but you know, in 1895, that was, that was quite the experience. And, you know, a- until it hasn't been until recently with the esports boom and, and mobile games that the gambling that people, you know, the gambling generations under 30, have started to move away from slots. Yeah, it's certainly quite interesting. And even though they aren't maybe the most popular for younger people, that doesn't mean that younger people don't love RNG. You can tell in so many of the biggest games out there uh, how much RNG plays a crucial part. I'm a huge Hearthstone player. I can't uh, just be like, oh yeah, I don't understand the appeal of slots, and then just play literally random number generation for thousands, one exactly thousand hours. Right. So I, I get it, and I also don't get it. I guess the gambling aspect is what I what I don't get there. When I could be playing other games that have a little bit more skill involved or a little more uh, give and take involved. 
but also <clears throat> we're also seeing this sort of uh design with the loot box thing where some games like Fortnite is moving away from this randomized model being like oh no here's the thing you get you can just buy it but in the past loot boxes were the most popular way of finding new cosmetics or even performance aspect and they're crazy popular especially with that younger generation why do you think loot boxes are so popular but maybe slots are not they feel like they share a lot of commonalities absolutely you know and and i don't think you're going to find anyone who would tell you that uh gambling i mean it's it's ingrained in our in our cultures and our natures you know we most people enjoy gambling and 28% of the gaming population are participating daily in what can arguably be described as gambling. Like you said, you know, in the form of these loot boxes and these RNG microtransactions in game. Um, And so that's what I mean is I, I don't think that the issue is that the younger generations don't like gambling. I simply think the gambling industry has not changed. You know, it's, it's um, stagnated. Uh, You know, the, it's highly regulated. It's got a very high profit margin. And, and so they, they're hiding behind the guise of being risk averse, um, scared to mess up that 70% that they are already capturing through these, these slots. But, it's, you know, they are not seeing the writing on the wall that the younger generations want more entertainment value. And they are gambling every day, you know, to the tune of $50 billion a year in these in-game microtransactions. And that's not even factoring in the esports wagering, um, you know. And so the, the key is how do you target these younger gamers slash gamblers that enjoy RNG gambling in game through microtransactions and loot boxes and skins. Yeah, I think a big part of it is to your point how you could set up the game and you could actually go in and make money just off of the raid bosses and not actually put the money in. I feel like by lowering that barrier to entry, you end up getting a lot more people in. It's it's the people who uh say got Rocket League and it was pretty cheap. And then they're playing for a while and they're like, wow, I really want some cool new things for my car. I need to buy some crates. I need to buy some keys to do this. And I'm going to start spinning and spinning and spinning. But they probably didn't go into the game expecting that. And as long as you offer something else, which I think that monster, the the monster world, the PVP, the raid bosses, you're offering that other aspect to it. That helps bring people in. And then once they're in the game, now this game is more focused around the gambling world. But I think by just being able to bring people in and giving people things to do that isn't implicitly, here's money, spin a wheel, get money back. Uh, having those different world around it will bring in that generation in a way that slots just don't because it's such a one-one feedback. It's put money in, lose, put money in, win. Put money in, lose. And that's boring compared to all the other games that exist out there that Gen Z and millennials have been playing for a long time. Absolutely. You know, and that also doesn't, you know, another factor that comes into play there is you've got the people who will spend two to three million dollars on a 
MMORPG account, you know, on a character or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a single gun item or skin. Um, but, you know, they won't gamble a thousand dollars in a slot because the um, perceived value in that game item or collectible or whatever it is that you're purchasing in game is much higher for them than getting just money back. You know, that's not why they're doing it. You know, they've invested hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of hours sometimes in these games, in their accounts. Um, and the value for them, is it's hard to assign, you know, a number on that, you know, that there's, there's so much, um, sentimental value and emotional value invested into that game that it's not even, you can't even make that comparison there. And so our goal is, is twofold. You know, we want to obviously provide a more enjoyable experience for the $300 billion slot market that's already there. Um, but we also want to cater to the gaming side, the younger generation, you know, to where, like I said, your slot win is a rare monster. You might have the only monster of that species, or, um, you know, you might have the best stats for PVP, you know, that monster, even though you could sell it back to the casino for, you know, a hundred times what you paid for it. If you sold it in the peer to peer marketplace, you know, it could be a thousand times what you paid for it because it's, desirable for pvp or it's aesthetically pleasing or it's you know a one of one or any number of reasons we're also speaking to the gamers that are looking for a more intangible value the collector um you know just like with the pokemon games whether or baseball cards pokemon cards any any collector game um, you'll have the people who just want to collect the monsters. And, you know, I'm sure the casinos are stoked to just keep that money in the game itself and not have to cash it right back out. Uh, so they're like, yeah, keep the, keep the monster. It's anything that incentivizes people to keep exactly. the money or the monster, in this case, inside the app is a good thing for casinos because it, as long as you're not paying it out, that's net profit at this point. Absolutely. I mean, it's a beautiful thing for us because, you know, we've got the, the game itself has about an 85% return to player. So for every dollar you spend on balls, on average, you'll get about 85 cents back. But that's just the base. Um, from there, you, you've also got the peer to peer marketplace, like I said before. So the, the least amount you get if you sold it back to the casino would be around 85%. But any number of factors could make that monster that you caught worth exponentially more than what the casino will give you for it. So when you, the smart move would always be to put it on the peer-to-peer -peer marketplace and sell it to someone else. And so <laughs> essentially what's happening, it's it's like sitting in Vegas at a, at a slot machine, getting a $100 win and the person next to you says you know i'll pay you 150 dollars for that win you're happy to take more money the casino is very happy not to have to pay it out and you know it's pretty 
incredible uh, from a business standpoint. Yeah, that's actually pretty insane. And I'm sure casinos, you already have a bunch of casino partners, I believe, I think would explain to them like that. They're like, oh, yes, let's let's do this. Because anytime we don't have to pay out, uh, especially as casinos are often seen as, you know, taking money from people, blackjack tables are moving to to pay out less, rakes in poker rooms are going up. I, I don't know what the rate is on slots. I'm sure it varies machine to machine, but for them to be able to put money in and then get something physical return. Every single thing in a casino is just chips. You get more chips back, you put chips down, you get more chips back and they make a ton of money, but you don't ever get anything physical based off of it. It's almost like the arcade a little bit where you exchange your tickets in for this monster, except this monster is actually very highly sought after, not some plastic piece of crap that nobody really wants. So it's it's kind of combined some some of the aspects of the arcade and the casino and gaming. It's a it's a trifecta of different things that people love. <laughs> right, right. You know, and even even our casino itself being decentralized, we've allowed um anyone who wants to whether they're players or just random public um to participate in the bankroll so they can come in and if the players are wagering with the odds against them our stakeholders are wagering with the odds in their favor and they're getting the gross gaming revenue so it's it's there's no net there's no overhead there's no marketing costs there's no payroll those the funds in the bankroll are only used to cover the bets and with a 15 percent edge and that's if the players even cash it out. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty lucrative model for, you know, the idea is for our players. You know, we want our players to also be stakeholders, you know, our natives, if you will, um, to directly, you know, to be the house, to directly reap the benefits of the gambling, of the edge of the casino and so there is no centralized house that the players are against. Um, it's this decentralized um, ecosystem of of players and, or, and stakeholders all over the world. I always prefer to play against other players and not <laughs> against the house, whatever I can help it. It's why I prefer poker. Uh, it's why I prefer head-to-head sports betting like DraftKings versus betting online just because it feels like finding that edge is near impossible. Sure. So sure. I wanted to, we talked a lot about the positives, but in the betting world, there's always risk assessment and potential issues. The sports betting landscape is just filled with scandals and issues and, and history. You've got massive movies like oceans 11 about how to, how to rig casino games. So I'm curious as you were developing this app, what were some of the concerns that you had going in? Anything that you were worried about? Like, okay, we have to make sure this is foolproof and can't be exploited in any way because once money's involved in a game like this, people are looking to find that edge anywhere. Did you have any of those issues come up in design and how did you fix them before going live with it? Sure. Um, you know, there was a, a few key not problems, but things that had to be very clearly thought out. Um, the monster generation is a huge one. Um, 
you know, it has to be provably fair. You have to, you know, so it's, it's all based off of a, you know, the random number generation is based off of a future hash and it can be, you know, it, like I said, it's provably fair. There is, we can prove that this, that spin was predetermined, um, you know, because while I, while the return to player is 85%, so the, the house edge should only be 15%, variants can go either direction, you know, so you could, you could go, well, you know, you could lose your entire stack in a row, um, you know, luckily we set up our losing spins to where um, your 10 cent spin might spawn a two cent monster, you know, so instead of just completely losing your money, you still catch a monster. It's just not worth as much as what you paid for the, the ball. Um, but that being said, you know, if a player has wagered thousands of dollars and he's way down um, every, if it's not provably fair, you're going to have those complaints like, you know, it's rigged, you're going to lose your money, you know, <laughs> First of all, it is gambling, so the edge is in the house's favor, um, and we have to be able to prove that when you when you're generating a monster that was predetermined and has not been cheated, changed, or uh, skewed in our favor any more than it already is. Yeah, we're operating at eighty five percent, and that is. It, you know, and people are still going to call it rigged. You better believe that that is going to happen. Uh, it's just all about, sure. you know, this is where we're at. And like you said, provably fair, being transparent with the details of how a monster spawn probably helps as well. Uh, and then people will have success stories as well. So people, hey, I lost all my money. Well, I won. I got this. And that's just how casinos work. You, you can't go in there expecting right. a to make money every single time. That's not a lucrative business model and not something that makes any sense. Absolutely. I think people are pretty used to taking big losses as well. If they've opened up a lot of loot boxes, you know, you're used to the, uh, the cadence of lose, lose, lose. Okay. Lose, lose, lose. Okay. Right, right. Exactly. You know, and, and like you said before, you know, the, another interesting aspect to the game especially when you're comparing it with video games and loot boxes, you know, um, first of all, that 85% RTP, you know, that's in the form of your monsters. And so unlike games, um, whether you're talking card games or video games, um, where there's a lot of factors that dictate, you know, you're at the mercy of the market's speculative value of that collectible. It's, it's a sense of assurance for players that, okay, worst case scenario, I can sell these monsters directly back to the casino at any time. Um, that's, that's the least amount of money that I will take. And then, you know, depending on the game popularity, speculation, monster value, rarity, any number of factors, you could get many times that in the peer-to-peer marketplace. But you have, you can always basically your monster team is your bankroll, you know? And so as, as you're strengthening your team and, and catching new monsters and battling the raid monster and leveling up your team, your bankroll essentially is increasing in value. And if you ever decide, you know, okay, I'm, I'm done with the game. You can just sell it right back to the house or withdraw. 
I'm jealous about that for sure. When you compare that to games like Clash Royale or Hearthstone, which you have to spend a lot of money or a lot of time building up a team to be able to compete at the highest levels, it's actually really nice aspect to be able to get that money back. In those games, it's sort of a sunk cost. You're just putting the money in to to build it up, build up your team, build up your your group, whatever it is. And then when you're done playing that game, there's no... I can't sell my Hearthstone collection. I, I, I might be able to actually, but I Activision Blizzard would not be happy right. with me if I did that. Uh, so, so that's sort of how that works in so many other games. And uh, it's actually kind of a nice feature. It's a positive feature where casinos always get this bad rap of, yeah, they're going to they're gonna take all your money. Well, And this, you could actually get that money back. You'd still probably come out a net negative, but... You have the ability. I I don't know how much money I spent in Hearthstone, but that money ain't coming back. That money's never gonna come back to me. So, for for gamers, it's kind of nice to be able to to then sell if you ever do be like, okay, I'm sort of right. done with this game right. at this point. You know, and and the hourly raid monster. Initially, people won't understand what that actually means. Um, basically, we're giving away half of a percent of all casino wagering. And it's going to be in the form of this hourly raid. And so, you know, every hour there will be a push notification that goes out, says, you know, such and such monster is going to be spawning on native gaming island or whatever. Um, And if you hop in and battle that monster, it doesn't cost anything to battle that monster. You know, there is a couple stipulations. A, your team needs to survive. If you die during that battle, you will get nothing and B the monster has to be defeated. So either, you know, the, you have to have players with strong enough teams or enough players to defeat the monster in order to claim that jackpot, you know, but that jackpot could be thousands, tens of thousands of dollars every hour. And then you're going to get a piece of that jackpot based on how much damage you did to the monster. Um, You know, and so there is even a scenario where you come in on a on a free spin promotion. So you get 20 free balls. You head out in the wild, you catch you catch your initial team. Then every time the push notification goes out, you'll have the opportunity to share that notification on social media, which will give you 100 XP balls, you know, which are experience balls. And the monsters caught with the experience balls, they can't be they can't be used to battle and they can't be sold for money, but they can be used. They can be converted into experience to level up your team. So, uh, you know, theoretically you could come in on the 20 free spins and then farm those hundred hourly XP balls, strengthen your team to the point where it's surviving these hourly raids. And now you're, you're literally making money every single hour and you didn't, invest a single dollar oh that's definitely not possible in casinos i can tell you that much so that's a that's a cool feature i want to widen out the discussion a little bit into the wider world of esports gambling so i was recently down on the strip and i saw a sports book employee who was just finishing up his shift and he looked at me like i was crazy because i was coming up and they were clearly closed he's like we're not taking bets i'm like it's fine i'm just curious are you guys looking at esports gambling and he literally laughed at me because 
it's so unregulated that none of the sports books are touching it. And he's like, yeah, in the future, we probably will do this. But right now, the casinos are just like, that is a breeding ground for potential issues. And it's not worth our return on it. So I thought that was a really interesting conversation as we've seen, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel both expand a little bit into esports. DraftKings with League of Legends, Daily Fantasy, and FanDuel with actually offering League of Legends lines. And then other third-party websites like Unicorn also uh, being places for esports gambling. So I'm curious where you're at and your discussions with casinos. Did you get that same feeling at the wider esports and gaming world? And did they see this as a way of getting into gaming without getting into the potential issues that come up with putting out lines on esports? Yeah. So, you know, there are actually um, more and more online casinos that are beginning to offer lines on esports. Um, but, you know, that's only for the major tournaments, you know, that's your League of Legends World Championships, um, your CSGO, you know, the the big uh, sanctioned in-person tournaments, you know, and so th- there's been people who are trying to crack that, uh, the smaller, you know, the amateur, the peer-to-peer, um, there's a few sites that are doing the peer-to-peer, but there's no one, it, it's so hard to to verify and make sure you've got those proper checks and balances to where, um, you know, the teams aren't directly hustling gamblers or, you know, uh, skewing purposefully skewing the lines, um, or throwing the game, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues there. Um, but you're seeing more and more for the big tournaments. Um, I think, Long term, where it's gonna gonna go is an integrated API into the game itself that you know is going to be for multiple games, multiple platforms that will allow the casinos and and the traders to provide accurate lines on those games and also you know verify that there's nothing. <laughs> fishy going on i guess yeah and that's that's a great point of what games can be gambled on and it is only the ones that are they can be confident aren't being skewed like worlds has too much riding on it for a team to then throw same with iem catavise for example for a csgo team to throw that it would be it would look really bad and there's esl is watching over that making sure that doesn't happen but then when you really expand out to all of esports, suddenly you have uh, self-owned teams that have no oversight and just five players banded together. Conceivably very easy for those five players to look at each other and be like, no one's stopping us from doing this. We'll just throw and we'll get paid off of it. And so it's right. very different from the sports world. And even in the sports world, we saw tons of scandals i mean pete rose the black Sox, uh a bunch of college basketball teams in the 80s the 70s and 80s it's been pretty common and i'm pretty sure it's happened in esports already although i don't have any high profile examples but it feels like only a matter of time before these lines start existing you have to be able to put in very high wagers 
on the games to make it worth throwing and make paying these players to throw. But if it keeps developing in the way it's going, we're not that far off from a major esports betting scandal. Do you agree? Absolutely. You know, I mean, all it takes is one of the, you know, and, and like I said, that there are more and more big online casinos that that have lines for the major events that are fairly safe. But yeah, as soon as some of these, especially, you know, mobile games or um, the remote tournaments where the players aren't physically there, you know, in front of an audience with um, uh, people officiating the entire tournament, yeah, if a casino is backing that line and a you know, a, a gambler with enough on the line can get a hold of one of these players and yeah, it, it's very conceivable that this would would become an issue. And so that's that's the big concern all of the casinos have now. It's they're getting more and more for the officiated tournaments, but it's hard to imagine it getting to the point where you could offer lines on remote tournaments. Yeah. The remote aspect of it is even sketchier. I mean, if in sports they were able to do this on the court, they're throwing games surrounded by fans and people still like, that's a little suspicious, but you know, it worked for a long time. And then for remote play, you could even be like, Oh my my lag kicked in. My server gave out. My controller died. I don't know. There's 700 different things you could do without somebody watching over that person and being like, oh, they're they're lying about that. It feels like there's so many other ways they could even just throw. Just to throw seems easier in esports as well uh, and more common across the board. Plus, these players aren't as well known. They're not as well publicized. They could easily just slink into the into the afterthought and take a nice 10K off a tournament. So it's really an interesting ecosystem. And it's why that casino employee laughed at me when I walked up to him. And he was like, he I shouldn't say he laughed at me like it was a it was comedy, but he was like, no, we're not, we're not about to do that. And uh maybe eventually, but it's just so sketchy for them and their their whole thing is risk management that's the whole goal of a casino for a thing that's completely rng heavy they are making sure the numbers always fall in their favor to the point where they're paying out hundreds of thousands of dollars to the experts who can set these lines who could be working in nfl front offices but they work at casinos because they need absolute precision numbers to make sure they get that edge every single time it's a really interesting ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was really awesome talking to you. I love talking esports betting and I'm excited for native MMO. Like I said, I really hope it takes over some of the bar tops around here because I just cannot stand video poker lines. It's just so mindless to me. And even just that other aspect of, hey, it's a raid boss coming up. Hey, I got to get my team. I got to XP up. I love the gambling and the gaming aspect of that. I played a lot of Pokemon Go in my life, played a lot of Hearthstone. So this game feels like something I definitely enjoy. And I'm just hoping it takes over some of the bar tops so I have something to do 
uh, instead of just mindlessly hitting a button and hoping that the numbers line up appropriately. Yeah, yeah, so- sounds good. We we hope you play as well. Well, thank you very much. Where can people play the game right now? It's been launched for a couple months or so. No, no. Um, so the casino launched three months ago, and the game itself. You know, we just announced it at the esports conference in California. Um, the alpha version will be released in, you know, we're shooting for sometime in April. Cool. Yeah. Make sure you get everything. It's, it's not something you want to rush the launch of a, a gambling based game. So be on the lookout for the native MMO coming up sometime in April. And if you're in casinos and the casino game, take a look for it as well in the mindless maze of slots you might be able to find this game so thank you so much justin appreciate you joining the podcast that's all for this episode of the esports network podcast